Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Why do people want to be at work? To feel heard, appreciated, part of something, and to know there's a career path for everyone. Inclusive workplaces are linked to increased innovation, productivity and employee satisfaction. Make your organisation a place where people want to be. For inclusion and diversity training, visit inclusion-program.com.au. You're listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Coming up, attacks on the Gulf affecting shipping groups and oil. We take a look at what the Reserve Bank will do with interest rates next year and the opportunities for investors in 2024. It is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Tuesday, the 19th of December, 2024. On Market Day, we will speak with Catherine Orfrey from Wavestone Capital about the opportunities for investors in 2024. But first, to the Reserve Bank, which said it considered an interest rate hike at its last board meeting. So for more about what else it said in its board meeting minutes, which were released today, I spoke with Shane Oliver, the Chief Economist at AMP. Look, there was no surprises that the Reserve Bank considered hiking yet again because it remains concerned that inflation is too high. But there were three reasons why it decided to hold. The one is that the economic data released since the last meeting um, didn't justify a material change to their outlook. Uh, secondly, they seem to be more concerned about the risk of higher unemployment. And they also make reference to the faster decline in inflation globally and uh, the hope that that will flow through to Australia as well. So they seem to have good reason to leave rates on hold, which I thought all made sense. So it's still open to a rate rise in the future, though, but says it's data dependent. It's an obvious question, but what kind of data? Well, basically, the RBA is going to be looking at what happens internationally. So they refer to the global economy and developments therein. But in Australia, they're referring to things like domestic demand. The key data piece there, of course, is retail sales. And we get two releases on that front prior to the next meeting. They also refer to the labour market. uh, And we get another jobs report prior to the next meeting. And finally, they also refer to inflation. So they're going to be looking at the, the next two monthly inflation releases prior to their meeting in February. So it's basically, in terms of Australia, it's domestic demand, retail sales, particularly uh, the jobs market, that rising trend in unemployment, and of course, inflation. They want to see those inflation numbers continuing to fall. This was the first meeting since the RBA's new agreement with the government, its statement on conduct. I've seen some interesting commentary today saying that um, members noted that forecasts show inflation returning to the top of the target band by the end of 2025, rather than the midpoint of the band. This midpoint concept is quite interesting because we haven't heard it from the RBA in quite some time, yet the the new agreement with the government um, shows that they don't necessarily want inflation just to be within the 2 to 3% target band, but also to, to reach this new midpoint. So, so how significant is this particular statement and what are the implications? Look, on the one hand, that statement is quite significant. It is the Reserve Bank acknowledging uh, the change that occurred in the new agreement with the government. 
that over time they target the midpoint of the statement rather than the 2 to 3% range. Now, on its own, that can be seen as hawkish. In other words, inclining the RBA to raise interest rates more than what otherwise be the case because they're only forecasting inflation to get to the top of the range uh, by the end of 2025, not back to the midpoint. The flip side, though, is that uh, it is going down. And so presumably for 2026, they would have it getting back to the midpoint. And secondly, if you read the statement with the the government, the new agreement, it actually says that it should be balanced uh, with progress in terms of full employment. So my suspicion is that the Reserve Bank will not push harder to get to the midpoint now, but will say, well, if we do that, we'll just end up with higher unemployment. So it's a bit of a balancing act, trading off getting inflation down faster versus not causing the economy to collapse. Um, So I think that's the way they're going. So in saying that, you're of the view that rates will start to fall from mid next year. Why? Well, we think that inflation will come down faster than the government's allowing for. In fact, we have a view that's more in line with the Federal Treasury view that sees inflation are coming down a little bit faster than the RBA is looking at. If you look at the most recent monthly number that came out for October, uh, it was quite a bit less than expected. It's now below 5%. And don't forget that there was very, very high numbers at the end of last year, that surge in travel costs. Those monthly and quarterly numbers will drop out. So it's quite conceivable by the end of this year, when the numbers come out in January, that we'll have inflation down at three point something. I'm talking here about the end of 2023. So as we go through 2024, we think we're going to get inflation down to 3%, a bit below what the RBA is saying, uh, coming down faster than what they're forecasting as the weakness in the economy hits. And the Reserve Bank doesn't have to see inflation fall all the way back to the target before they ease, just as long as they can see that it's heading in that direction faster and also that the monthly and the quarterly sequential numbers are consistent with that lower inflation profile. What's your message to borrowers if the discussion's now going to be turning into potential rate cuts, right? Um, I know anecdotally and even amongst you know people that, that I know, everyone's starting to say, great, we're going to start seeing some rate cuts in the new year. But are we going to see rates fall as fast as they rose or are they still going to stay at these relatively high levels for longer? Look, my message to borrowers here would be that you don't, don't get too excited. Rates are going to come down. That's going to provide some relief. But we saw 13 rate hikes pushing the cash rate up by 425 basis points, pushing mortgage rates up from you could have got rates down around 2%. Now you're paying something like 7%. Only a portion of that is going to be reversed. It's going to be a slow and gradual decline through 2024. We see three rate cuts, but that just reverses the last three rate hikes. Rates are still going to be pretty high. They're going to be way above that near zero cash rate that we had through the pandemic, and mortgage rates aren't going to go back to 2% anytime soon. So, yes, we'll get some relief there, but it's not going to be uh, a green light for another um, borrowing party again. I think it's still going to be a lot tougher out there. Rates are still going to be pretty high. That is the Chief Economist at AMP, Shane Oliver. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. The Australian share market had a really good day today. The S&P ASX 200 up 0.8% to 7,489. For more, I spoke with Catherine Alfrey, Portfolio Manager at Wavestone Capital. I think if you look back last week in terms of the Federal Reserve and what they said, 
And I think at the moment we're seeing a tug of war between the market wanting to get to the end game of whether where rate cuts are for next year. And there's an old adage in markets, which is don't fight the Fed. And the Fed is cutting in 24. And the market thinks it's going to keep cut about 140 basis points, which is really positive, obviously, for uh, markets. And so the market's trying to price that in already um, and has rate cuts starting in March. That's the US. What about here? I know we heard from the uh, RBA today, its minutes were released. It said that there's still the potential for a rate rise if the data warrants it, um, but it seemed like the market is pricing in some rate cuts. Um, can you tell me more about the divergence between US and Australian interest rates and how that's flowing through to investors? Sure, from an equities perspective, not a bond person, but you can see in terms of the US, the pricing cuts from March which, of course, some of the Federal Reserve speakers are saying too, too early. But we do have a US election that they have to consider as well in terms of timing, no one be looking to political cutting rates right into the election. But here in Australia, the market is currently pricing one for June and another one by December, so around 50 basis points of rate cuts, which I'm sure for mortgage ease out there, they'd be you know, well and truly happy to see that come through. Um, but there is a clearly a differential because our inflation is higher and we have a target ban of 2 to 3%. So we need to see what the data is like in January uh, before we see the decision from the Reserve Bank in February as to whether or not they'll go again or not. I guess there's also geopolitical tensions that play on the minds of investors as well at the moment. Uh, oil prices are jumping more than 2% overnight following attacks on ships on the Red Sea. I understand BP now says it's temporarily pausing transit ships there. Um, to what extent do you think this could really disrupt supply? And is it something that's concerning investors? Well, it is concerning because obviously the oil price went up overnight on the back of the news. You know, the Red Sea accounts for something like 7 million barrels per day of, of oil. And so if there is obviously a delay in that being uh, received by customers, that has an implication on long-term pricing for oil. And so that's what we're seeing priced in. Um, but it's never a good sign when you get those um, terrorist attacks occurring um, because obviously it makes um, supplies very uneasy. Uh, but having said that, you know, the oil price has dropped $20, $25 over the last few months. And so... Um, clearly, you know, may may have found a base here because we still obviously have issues in the Middle East, issues um, in the Ukraine, and so that's and we're going into winter. And we just don't know, what, you know, what is going to happen. Um, if we can target one particular sector on the market today, lithium. I ask because Gina Reinhart has teamed up to launch a $1.7 billion bid to uh, Explorer Azure. She also, a few months ago, effectively blocked the takeover of Liontown Resources. Is the interest in lithium at the moment justified? And it also comes at a time when there's also um, a bit of a boom in, in uh, uranium, which is another sort of like green resource, right? Yeah. So in terms of lithium, I heard Gina speak last week when she won that you know, AFR Business Award, and her point was, you know, having a dig at the Commonwealth and the state governments, that to get a mine up from a tenement to actual first production will take way too long in this country, right? And so the easiest way for her to get involved in the sector is to buy into these junior explorers uh, and they've already done the hard yards. And so that is why she's how she's fast-tracking her entry into lithium. We've seen a massive reduction in lithium prices. You know, it's fallen 60%. It really is dependent firstly on the Chinese EV market and the demand for EVs in China, and there's been a few hiccups there. 
weakness in the economy, et cetera. Um, but you would think in 24, with more stimulus expected by the Chinese government, that that sector over the long term would be fine. Yes, it's had a very difficult 2023, but I think there are you know, signs that in 24 we'll see stabilisation and it should improve. This is likely to be the last time I speak to you this year, so I'm keen for you to um, look into your crystal ball if you can. Where do you see the opportunities for investors in 2024? Well, it's interesting because I think we could be in for a nice, continue to see the Christmas Santa rally that we've had, uh, and then we might get a reality check in February because there's no doubt when we go and speak to corporates right now, they're starting to cut in terms of labour. They are seeing a slowing in retail sales post-Black Friday. And so these aren't particularly good signs for earnings when they report in February. So I think, you know, back to what I was saying previously, don't fight the Fed in terms of, you know, interest rate cuts. And clearly, you know, markets always look 12 months ahead. And so they see this sort of positivity stimulus coming through. And so they want to buy that. But then going, you know, forward in February, we will get a reality check on earnings. And the question is, do we avoid a downturn? I think we will. And that's what the market clearly has priced. We're in a slowdown not a downturn. And so for us, in terms of stocks that we're looking at, we're looking at some of the losers of 23, like CSL hasn't performed particularly well. They have some good news coming out of the March quarter, hopefully around their heart drug, 112. And so that should give the stock a nice positive stimulus if that comes through. Macquarie Group is another one of the big cap names that's really underperformed this year and we think is well set up now that interest rates are being cut and you know we'll start getting some more deal-making occurring for them. So that will be positive for them. Um, and then there's some of the sort of smaller names that we still like that have performed well this year, but we still think have good outlooks and things like uh, car sales and also zero. But then some of the down and dirty smaller cap names we've been uh, buying as well. We've bought ARB, with um, in Charter Hall. Some of these names, you know, we think is well set up for 24. Catherine Norfrey there from Wavestone Capital. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Need a few minutes to reset? Great Minds is a podcast from SBS that guides you through different meditation styles from around the world. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.